Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in the third play, Serviceman, and in the second act called City Lights, and this is scene seven. It's called Apartment Party. And it begins with Michael, the narrator, who is the king's son. The Bernstein apartment is one floor below the home of Norman and Jane Gordon and their daughters, Joan and Judy. It's mid-December 1945 at 425 West Aldean Avenue in Chicago on a snowy, windy city Saturday night. Norman's sister, Phyllis Gordon, is home from four years of Red Cross service in Europe, and she wrote to her family throughout the war as well. The celebration begins. It's a big, happy crowd, and like the silver fields of Alabama, filled with friends and relatives who know how to party and drink, and they enjoy a favorite blended scotch, Dewar's. The Gordon family, including the proud grandparents Jack and Bess, have enjoyed a growing relationship with the Bernsteins. Joan Gordon was almost old enough to babysit Richie and Margie Bernstein. This scene begins at the apartment door. Our hero, the king, is late and he rings the bell. Shirley, who is Phyllis and Norman's younger sister, answers. They exchange introductions and shake hands. Stanley is 22, Shirley 23. They have a brief conversation before turning to face the party bar. Norman Gordon is pouring under supervision of the guest of honor, his older sister, Phyllis. Michael, the narrator, whose middle name is Gordon, reads a letter that his Aunt Phyllis wrote from Germany dated October 27, 1944. Dearest Jane, got the letter with the samples of Joni's artwork, was thrilled with them. Wait until you see mine. I'm sending some wooden shoes to the children, and believe it or not, I painted them myself. Things are a little boring around here, because we still don't have any patience. So we gals have taken to painting shoes, and Kay is a former art teacher. Norm, could you get me a subscription to The New Yorker or Cosmopolitan for Christmas? I would like it very much. We are pretty much isolated here, and I'm afraid that magazines won't come through the way they did in England. Felt very badly about Lloyd Spencer's death. Didn't know he was in the army. Human life really means very little over here. I know that sounds pretty grim, but after one has seen what most of us have seen here, that's the way we feel. All we can do is hope that it will be worth it and that these lives will not have been lost in vain. There are an awful lot of German cemeteries in this area. In fact, there is one on the grounds of this hospital. The Germans had used it before we got here. In fact, they moved out in a hurry on the 8th of September and left an awful lot of equipment around too, a great deal of which we will be putting to good use, both medicines and medical and surgical instruments. Also, the sheets on my bed have swastikas on them, but sheets are sheets. More in a few days. Take good care of yourself, the children, and Norm. 
All my love, Phil. As the lights go up on this party scene, our hero, Stanley, meets Shirley. And he begins. Hello, I'm Stanley Silverfield, Leona's younger brother. And Shirley, smiling. Hello, Stanley. I'm Shirley June Gordon, Norman and Phyllis's younger sister. Leona and Lee have been sharing your overseas news. It's nice to meet the man who made front-page news in The Serviceman. And our king. Good to meet you, Shirley. Well, The Serviceman story was not my idea. Have you met our mother, Sarah Bell? She worked the Birmingham rabbi hard, and there I was, on the Temple Bulletin, in the spring. It was shocking. I have met your mother, Stanley. She's a big personality, and I understand how your story made page one. The king, relaxed and smiling, charming as ever. Thank you, Shirley. Now, how about a scotch on the rocks to join the celebration? Shirley to our hero. Well, absolutely. Let's find my brother Norman. He's our chief bartender. And then I'll introduce you to Phyllis and our parents, Jack and Bess. Everyone has been talking about you and your Air Corps years. And Norman, the bartender. Hello, Stanley. It's great to meet you. Your scotch of choice? And over his shoulder, Phyllis Gordon. Hello, Stanley. I'm Phyllis, Shirley's older sister. And our king of cool responds, Hello, Norman and Phyllis. It's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard about you as well. Can you pour me a doer's rocks? Leona and Lee have been telling me about the Gordon family. You're legendary in this building. The stories are something. And Norman, got you covered, Stanley. Leona kept us current on your war. It's special to see you in person. A warrior returns. We know some men who didn't make it. Thank you, Norman. I appreciate the deep pour and your kind words. I just did my job, and we all did. Some of us lived. Many of our friends didn't make it. Now Phyllis, who's come around from the backside of the bar to our hero. Stanley, I know you were in the Air Corps. Where in Europe? Our king. Well, Phyllis, we were at A-72 in northern France, just above Paris. My unit had just occupied a former German airfield when I arrived in mid-October of 44. My first mission was November 5th, and 22 months after I rode a train from Birmingham to Nashville. What about you, Phyllis? I was in West Germany at a former enemy field hospital near Koblenz, posted there in early September 44. I'd like to hear more about your war. Let's talk more if you have time during the holidays. And our humble king. I'd like that very much, Phyllis. I want to hear about your service. The Red Cross meant so much to us throughout the campaign. We are grateful. As the lights go down on this holiday celebration scene. Michael reads a letter that his father wrote from France on April 6th of 1945, and is certainly one of the most revealing letters of his war. Dearest ones, once again, four or five days have passed without my writing. 
If I'm not careful, it might become a habit, and that would be bad. Knowing full well how you worry, I avoid it as much as possible. Consequently, when you don't hear from me, you must realize it is due to circumstances beyond my control. I'm not sure I should be telling you what happened the last three days because of security reasons. However, I'm going to take the chance because it's just too good to keep. Besides, it's my excuse for not writing. It all began last Tuesday. While flying over Germany, we developed engine trouble due to a mechanical failure and had to make an emergency landing. Of course, it was the part of Germany that is ours now. We landed in fine shape, expecting to find nothing. But much to our surprise, instead we found a field hospital with all accessories, including nurses. At first, we had visions of having no place to sleep and nothing to eat. And then we found ourselves in the middle of Shangri-La. The nurses, doctors, and everyone took us in hand as though we were lost brothers and really treated us like kings. I've never experienced such hospitality on this side of the ocean. They gave us beds in the wards with as many blankets as we desired and fed us until the food was coming out of our ears. It's difficult to remember all the details now, as it seems like a dream. I do remember I had the time of my life. Wednesday morning, we went into the city of Koblenz, the city on the Rhine River, which was in the news only a few weeks ago. One of the medics took us in, as naturally we were all curious to see the place, after flying over it so many times when it was in the hands of the Germans. Well, never in all my life have I ever seen anything like it. The city is completely, and I mean completely, demolished. There is absolutely nothing left to ever resemble a city. The debris and rubble is so thick, a truck can't even be driven down the remains of a street. What stands now are only walls and shells of buildings. I would never have believed that man had the ability to destroy as this city has been destroyed. It would take years to even clear the debris in order to build again. If only I had had a camera because pictures could tell the story far better than I. The medic knew of a wine cellar there, so naturally we had to pay that a visit. Again, I was astonished. Champagne was stacked as far as the eye could see. There must have been at least a million bottles there, and it all ours for the taking. Can you imagine turning me loose in a place like that? I was practically taking a bath in the stuff. It's too bad we couldn't have taken moving pictures. I'm sure you would have gotten some serious laughs. Well, as you may have guessed, I drank my fill and took 500 bottles with me besides. Oh, what a life. Anyhow, we took the bottles to the nurses' quarters and really had a party. It lasted almost all night, so everyone was fairly tight. All the nurses were grand kids and sweet as could be. It was just like old times in the States, where everyone speaks the same language. I got very friendly with a kid from New Orleans. Her name was Elaine Miller. I hope to see her again soon. Well, Thursday, transportation came for us, and we had to leave. I never saw such disappointed fellows. We had just as much fun there as we would have in Paris, and coming back here was a horrible thought. I would have written you last night, but I was too tired, and still had a headache from the champagne. Upon returning, I found lots of mail, which is always a welcome sight. 
I received five letters from you, one from Leona and one from Ida, a package from you, another from Leona, and another from Aunt Lena. Makes me think I should go away more often. Your letters dated from March 14th to the 26th, all the fill-ins from the ones before. Receiving mail from home is like filling in a jigsaw puzzle. As always, your letters are so very sweet. And thanks for the package, too. It's the one that contained the long cigarettes. Everyone is getting a big kick out of them. I'm glad you finally received my letter from the Riviera, and I know what a grand time I had. You asked me about my dates there. I guess I forgot to put that in. Well, you know me. I met a very nice married woman with whom I spent most of my time. It seemed that she and her husband didn't get along very well, and she was eager to be loved. Need I say more? She said she would meet me in Paris when I go there again. Ooh la la, these French women are incredible. Thanks for donating the $50 and keeping the 100 And now we're even, and I feel much better. You asked me what say la guerre meant. It means, this is war, as the French put it. Tell Ida I enjoyed her letter very much. I can't imagine what happened to her first letter. There isn't any more news for now. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. I love and miss you, Stan. This is the end of scene seven called Apartment Party in Act Two, City Lights of the Third Play, Serviceman. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.